Hi, I'm Hera. And I'm Aisha. And we are the Mocha Single Mothers by Choice, or SMCs. Like you, as SMCs, we decided to become mothers knowing we'd be the sole care provider and parent of our children, at least at the outset. And the Mocha is for Black. We discuss being SMCs from an intentionally Black lens. You'll connect with all the interesting and fun things about this non-traditional path. Like how you decide which sperm to use, the cold, hard truth of fertility, your reality of dating as a single mother who doesn't have a co-parent to rely on for occasional childcare, and what it's actually like to parent as an SMC. This is the Mocha Single Mothers by Choice podcast. Hi, Pod. We are back for part two of our episode about Mocha SMC parenting tweens. And we have the lovely Jennifer, Joy, and Yana with us back again. We wanted to start on a, on a somewhat serious note, sort of where we left off with our past episode. We talk a lot with our kids at all ages about the concept of consent. And I know in my house, what it looks like is we have this really great book called Don't Touch My Hair. And it's about this little girl who has really pretty curls and everyone loves them. And so they touch her without asking. And so for me in our household, that was like a really good way to sort of introduce like, hey, your hair is part of your body. And it's not just your hair. It's like people should not be touching you without you consenting for that. But I think as kids get older, those conversations change, dynamics about your body and about consent. So I'm wondering if you all can give us some idea of what those conversations look like for tweens. Jennifer, you want to start us off? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think now now that Tate is you know going to be a teenager very soon, we um, have very frank conversations about consent uh, minding other people's space, but, you know, but down to also, if he sees something happening that he doesn't think should happen, if there's a girl that's drunk and somebody is videotaping her without her consent, then he needs to say something that he needs that nobody should touch, you know, clearly no one should touch him that he doesn't want to touch. And starting when he was younger, it was more about, you know, coaches and teachers and trying to help him understand, you know, you know, when you're seven or eight, that your teacher doesn't get to touch you and just, you know, saying it in terms that he understood, but now it's definitely coming to more of of the sexual tones and also understanding that he has to be mindful of what what a girl would want or not want. And if he doesn't want to participate in something that a girl wants, just very frank conversations with them, but you're just being mindful of boundaries and with videos, the parties and the drinking, all of those things. I think all of that comes under that big umbrella of consent for me. Now I'm just very, very open and very honest. Whenever the moment presents itself from when he was about nine, he asked me, what does it mean to be raped? And he'd heard that on the playground at school. I don't understand how that came up. I mean, he explained to me, you know, why the little boy had asked. And I just asked him, you know, what did, what did they think it meant? And then I explained in nine-year-old terms what it actually meant. So from there, that really gave us a great springboard for consent that's lasted for the past three years. Now, do you all think that there is a extra conversation we have to have with our Black children that about this issue that maybe white parents don't need to have? Yes, Absolutely. Being in a predominantly white 
region of the country. It's not even just my city. It's the entire, Uh the mountain West outside of Denver is very, very white. Mm -hmm. And I'm very concerned about some of those things, particularly, you know, another dynamic that we're living through today is the pandemic and Mm -hmm. talking about consent or talking about space or whether or not to wear a mask, all sorts of things. And we have friends, well, my son being adopted, many people, I should say most of the ones here, at least who are single women who adopted chose girls. So he has always been around a lot of girls. He's one of the few boys that we know who has almost as many female friends as he does male friends and goes on play dates with them. And, you know, the dad will call and say, she wants to know if he can go rollerblading. And I think normalizing being around girls has Mm -hmm. been incredibly helpful for him to actually think about how he cares for these girls who are his friends and wouldn't want anything to happen to them. We also have friends who are um, gender diverse, uh, who you know, either were experimenting or determined during this two-year pandemic that it was the right time to come out. Pronouns have changed since the last time we saw a couple of kids. And so all of that, I think, has, he already is an empathetic kid, but I think it gave him an opportunity to say, hey, you know, there are certain things you don't do. Now, he likes to touch me a lot. And I think I've been the biggest influence on please stop touching me. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> I, you know, kids like crawl all over you. Uh-huh. And at some point, I just don't want him touching me anymore. So <laughs> it started with me. And I think the other thing is that because I date, I also want to model for him how I should be treated and how he should treat other women. And so we oftentimes have conversations about how to treat women um, based on the people and influences in his life. I wanted to go back to Yana and see it does it from a girl mom perspective, you know, hearing what the boy moms have said about just like how they're talking to them about consent. How has this been for you with a, with girls? From an early age, she knows about her body. I talked to her about her body, like proper names, proper nails, everything. So she has learned since she was little, people shouldn't touch her. She doesn't want to hug, like even to the point where if you wanted to give her a hug when she was little and she said, no, that was it. I don't care if you was grandmom, grandpa, me even. And I do that with my son too. But I say, can I have a hug? And they say, no, I say, okay. And I leave it at that. And no, and obviously people guilt trip their kids and say, oh, why no? No, none of that. And I'll shut it down I if I see that. it happen. Oh, I'm so-and-so. No, he said, no, that's the end. And so she's learned that from when she was little, but I try to empower her and make her know her voice and she has choices and things, even little things like how I said earlier, um, how she said that she wished that uh, she was doing her conceived as well. Before I even came on here, I said, I'm going to be talking on a podcast. I'm going to be talking about you. Is that okay? She said, yes. I said, can I bring this up? She said, yes. If she does something funny, like when her brother does stuff funny, I post it on social media. When she does something funny, I ask her first, can I post this on mommy's page? Sure. And so I'm teaching her even stuff as small as that, Mm -hmm. like she has the right to say yes or no about those things. Can I post this picture? Can I post this video? Are you okay if I tell so-and-so this? Like, that's what I do because I really want her to feel empowered to say yes or no when it comes to her, her body, things she wants, things she doesn't want. So that's what I'm doing. And I want her to feel heard. So I try to listen to her and even as far as like when I'm making decisions about something, if it's something small and I can include her, I include her in decisions. I want her to have a voice. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I've been 
going about it. And I want her to extend that same courtesy to other people as well. Like if they say no, you have to stop. If they don't want to do this, you have to respect it. You know, that's 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 how we go about it. (laughs) That was going to be my my one of my questions. I have two questions for you. So you talk a lot. You talked about body autonomy as who gets to touch me. Right. But do you also talk about who you get to touch? Because that's kind of what I'm dealing with with my seven-year-old. Like, I think she has a full sense of autonomy over her own body, but we have a two-year-old and then there's me. And, you know, like Joy said, it's the touch, touch, touch. And it's just like, okay, the same body rules that apply to you apply to me and your sister, right? And so, and I think you answered that question that you also uh, have her the rules apply to other people. Then secondly, do you start with the asking permission to post on social media? At what age did that start? Or was it always a part of your parenting routine? I started when, I feel like when she was maybe like 11, 10 or 11, where stuff can embarrass her. Like my son, he doesn't care about anything he's for. But I, when, when I noticed like little things would be like embarrassing and it's like, it's funny to me. Oh, you didn't, you know, you didn't do this today. That's funny. I would just ask real quick. Oh, this is a funny story. Do you mind if I share or is it too embarrassing? And I'll, I'll say it that way so that she doesn't feel like pressure to say, oh yeah, go share. So I'm like, oh, is this too embarrassing? I thought this was funny or, you know, to try to, I give her an out. She usually says yes. Cause she's like, go with the flow type of kid. But if she ever said no, of course I would never post it or things like that. And I try to I'm teaching her that she's learning because she kind of thinks her little brother is a toy still. So sometimes she'll make a video about him. And I'm like, okay, don't post it. And she's like, why? It's funny. And I'm like, because the internet is forever. Liam doesn't want that out there, I'm sure. So she's, you know, she's learning that. I think he's like really the only person where she's not giving him his autonomy yet because she feels like he's like a toy and he's her brother, but yes. she's, she's learning it. And I'm telling her like the same way he has to respect you or if he were touching you, I make him stop. Like you have to stop as well. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but I think the age gap has something to do with that too. Cause she's eight years older than him. So she feels like, mm-hmm. like she's another parent and, but he'll tell her all the time, you're a kid too. You're just big. <laughs> So I am 11, I, my sister's 11 years younger and I always call her my sister baby. <laughs> like, it's an interesting dynamic. Cause like, she's like my sister and she's my best friend, but she's also like, kind of like my baby too. <laughs> I wanted to delve into this because Joy mentioned it just, just briefly about dating and, you know, how you use dating to kind of model positive, healthy relationships. So my question to the group is, do you date? And if you date, has that changed from when your kids were little to now being a tween? Oh, I, I date and it definitely has changed. When she was little, like somebody come to babysit her and I was going out, she didn't care or ask me where I was going. Now, if somebody's oh, coming to babysit her and I'm going, where are you going? Who are you talking to on the phone? Who are you on FaceTime with? Why can't I get on the FaceTime? Like she knows it's someone that I'm dating if I won't let her pop her head in and say hi. Because anytime I'm on FaceTime, you know, because my mom or my sister or somebody, she can pop her in and say hi. If I'm not letting her, why can't I pop my head in? Like, you know, so she's real inquisitive. Who's this person? And I usually just say, it's somebody you don't need to worry about right now. If, you know, if it comes to time for you to worry, you'll know. And so she's just, she's really inquisitive. Do you like so-and-so? And she's so like tries to be in my business. Who's this person? Who's that person? Like she's, she's, she's in the business and she's aware. My son is oblivious, like how she used to be when she was little, but now she's older. She's, 
she's in the business. <laughs> Your kids put pressure on you at all to date. I've noticed that, you know, my little kids didn't care, but then as they've gotten older, I feel like the older one is like kind of starting to pressure me. Like, well, you know, why aren't you going out and like finding a boyfriend? <laughs> I did when he was in kindergarten, I'll never forget. Um, he was introducing me to the dads at drama. Oh. And I was like, man, is married <laughs> you can't introduce me to people like that and it was it was cute and funny but I think at that at that stage in his life he felt like he wanted a dad mm. and that was how you got a dad and I would say I know you want a dad but you having a dad means I have a husband and I don't want a husband <laughs> and it took him a long time you know and he was really and I'm also divorced and he was mm-hmm. also really upset that I had been married. And I said, well, they wouldn't have been your dad anyway. And he said, well, why didn't you have kids with them? And I said, because I was waiting for you. And that just Aww. shut down any more conversation about the dad part. Um, I was dating someone when he was born. We were together for two years. And then we stayed together for two more years after he was born. And that is his godfather. As a matter of fact, he he and his girlfriend cooked me my birthday dinner. It was really nice on Sunday. So he has a really great relationship. He is the constant. My parents, my grandparents are all gone. And so he is the constant in my son's life. And then I have a brother who's um, a nearby state that we visit a couple times a year. And because it's also important that he have Black role models. And that's been really tough out here to get. You know, where it's just so white and I don't have a problem with that. And we've created our own family. And most of the kids who are black here were adopted by white families. So that's been a bit of a challenge. At one point, he said he wanted a prettier mom. And I said, well, what would she look like? And he said, oh, she'd be white. (laughs) Oh, no, that is a lot to unpack there. You know, that's just sort of sort of it. But back to the, you know, the, the dating part specifically, he doesn't have a problem with whether I date or not. In fact, if I go long stretches without dating, he asks when I will start dating because he gets babysitters. He gets time away from me when I'm dating and he gets to do his own thing. You know, babysitters spoil him in ways that I don't spoil him. Yeah. So he did call me the man terminator once. Um, (laughs) Oh my gosh. Kids are so (laughs) mean. So mean. Yeah, he called me because he was like, you always break up with the boyfriend. You know, I don't have many because he doesn't, I don't introduce him to someone that I'm not in a relationship with. I've had a few relationships and and they haven't lasted. And I explained to him that I have standards and that people, you know, and that's true of him, you know, that you have to behave. So if you want a certain kind of woman, you need to behave in a certain kind of way because women who have their stuff together aren't going to put up with men who don't. So um, he needs to know that that now, as far as I'm concerned. So the next question I have is around sort of like dealing with other parents. And I'll direct this one to Jennifer to start. How are you, how how do the dynamics between other parents change as, as your kids get older? And I guess particularly 
you know, now your kids involved in sports and lots of activities. Do you socialize with the parents? How's that relationship for you? It's interesting. So when Tate was little uh, in daycare, we had a really close relationship with a lot of the parents. We went to a really small daycare and we did socialize quite a bit through the kids and sometimes by ourselves. Once he started elementary school, all of his sports were through the school. And so all of the parents were always at all the sporting events. And so we were always together, 29 boys in seventh grade. And we've never had more than 29 since kindergarten in the entire grade. So it's a very tight knit group of families. But yes, so we did. It was always, you know, I can, you know, the other day after the field trip, they went to San Antonio. One of the moms texted me and said, hey, Jennifer, can you pick up Ruslan from, from the field trip? So we've got that kind of relationship where everyone has, every, we all have each other's contact information. With baseball and sports, I find it's a little bit different. Baseball is a dad sport mm. times a hundred. I would, and I feel like softball for the girls is very much the same way. Now, are there any single hot dads that are in the baseball situation? <laughs> no, you know, I would have to, I'm trying to think, I, especially on our team now, there are no single dads, they're all married. And it's very, they all seem to kind of take me under their wing that they're all, you know, the coaches, I mean, I always feel like I'm very well taken care of. They all know that I am not a sports person. They all know that, yes, while I love the Astros, I love the Astros because I love George Springer because he's cute. <laughs> Not because of his baseball prowess, but they do. They 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 shuffle me along, and the coaches are always. I don't. And some people will probably say patronizing, but I feel like they're just they're they take care of me and they take care of Tate. You know, if I need something, they are always there. They are always willing to take him to pick him up, to take him to an extra practice. It's been really nice. And then when the moms come, yeah, we hang out, and you know, we're all going to Cooperstown this summer for the for the boys to go for a week. That's awesome. Oh, well, I'm so antisocial. It's like most of the moms <laughs> I know, they know me. And I'm such an oversharer with people who know me that they knew how I was going to conceive my son. Like I'm using this donor and I'm doing this and I'm, you know, so people know my dynamic dynamics. They know, you know, they know everything because I'm an overshare, like I said. So it's like, it doesn't come up and I'm just like, I'm social with who I know until I'm comfortable with you. And then if I'm comfortable with you, now you know all my business. So it's just, it's, we navigate it and it, 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 it goes, it's like, I do find, we tend, my sister and I tend to be the fun house and we tend to let the other kids come to us versus letting our kids go to them. Cause I have a niece that's two weeks younger than my daughter and they're like, twins in their head and they're always together. That's why X Men Effect she just left my house. So they always, always they have their birthday parties together. And so we know the parents and the parents are the parents will send their kids to my house to my sister's house and it's always be kids at the houses because that's just what the kids do. So it's always tweens, tween girls everywhere. Lots of loud laughs and squeals and ewes and Drama. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. All right. So, so, so this has been great. If there was one piece of advice that you would like to share with moms of younger kids, SMCs of younger kids, what would be that one piece of advice? I would say get used to listening to them and allowing them to talk to you so that they still feel comfortable 
talking to you when they get older. Like I said, my daughter tells me she's, she'll overshare me to like to death. And, but I appreciate it because she's come to me with some like real doozies that I'm glad that she came to me to ask the question. And when one of the girls that she was actually friends with was being inappropriate, all the other kids didn't say anything. She came to me, she showed me the text messages. She, look what this girl's saying, look what she's doing. And I shut it down. And I told the other parents, I think you might want to look, you know, in your kids' phones. And they're shocked, but I knew because she comes and she'll tell me she feels comfortable enough to tell me. She tells me what stuff makes her uncomfortable. When her friends say things that make her uncomfortable, people are making inappropriate jokes or anything like that. Like she's really, really open and honest, but I fostered it since she was younger. So I'm saying like it's kind of fostered that relationship younger and it really pays off later on when they get older. Cause she does, she knows she literally can come and tell me anything. And I, and I've told her things like too, I would, I said, if it's something that's really, really serious and that you should be in trouble for, but it's super serious, you tell me, and there may not be any trouble involved because I would rather you tell me versus get stuck somewhere like at a party or something and you don't want to call me and you're scared. So we have those kind of open conversations and the scenarios and everything like that. So my advice is just like foster those relationships while they're little so they still feel comfortable coming to you when they, they get older and listen to them. That was exactly what I was going to say. So I guess that really, really is the most important (laughs) important one is communication and keeping the lines open. And even when they say shocking things to not get upset, but try to like, just say, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, in your head and breathe through it and then follow up in a way with a tone that makes it welcoming. So they still come to you and ask you those questions because there are a lot of sex questions that are coming up that I wouldn't imagine. Um, and some of the the things the tweens are saying they know, they don't really know what they're talking about. Mm. And so I'm grateful to have the opportunity to get him to, um, you know, get the right information. But I, I guess secondary to that, I would say, you know, encourage your child to be bold a little bit. So this is where, you know, us taking the bus somewhere just to have an adventure, going places that are unfamiliar to him. So he'll learn how to be in different environments without being absolutely terrified. I mean, we travel a lot out of the country and in the country. And I think that that's been helpful for him to be able to navigate spaces that are unfamiliar to him. And that makes me really proud. That's great. Jennifer, did you have anything to add? You know, I agree with what both Joy and Yana said about fostering that communication and and the same thing. I've told the the same thing. You know, there's no place you can be that you can't call me two o'clock in the morning. I will come get you. You know what there you won't be in trouble. You've got to call me. The other thing I would always do to tell people, I always think, you know, having done this, you know, on your own, when you're doing this on your own, you feel like you brought this on yourself when you're struggling, when the chips are down and you're tired and you're scared and you just feel like, oh my gosh, what have I done? I can't, I can't possibly get Tate to baseball at six o'clock, pick, see my patient at 615. I go take care of my dad at seven. You just got to ask for help. I just think that there are so many more people in this world that care than that don't care. No matter what, no matter what the color of your skin is, no matter how much money you have, no matter what you do, there are people out there who will help. I have never run into the occasion where somebody hasn't been willing to step up and help me and give my family a hand when we need it. And in turn, I do the same for other families 
and, you know, just love each other, love your kid, let them see you love them, let them see them, you love your family and your friends. And that village will come in, in shapes and forms that you never knew existed. This has been so great, ladies. I want to thank you again for joining us. I have learned so much. I am going to drive my child to school tomorrow and have all the conversations <laughs> because of what you all have shared with me. And I probably will also be talking about puberty tomorrow morning and all the things with all this wonderful advice that you've given. And thanks again for, for joining us. Yes. Thank you. Well, Pod, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. If you like what you heard, share us with your girlfriends. We'd love to hear your thoughts. So tell us what you thought of this episode on social media. On Facebook, we are at Mocha SMC Podcast. And on Twitter and Instagram, we are at Mocha SMC. You can find additional information on the topics from the podcast at our website at mochasmc.com. Till next time, pod. Bye now. <laughs>